This year has already been a challenge for farmers with soaring costs, erratic weather, and many other hurdles to clear. Now more than ever, efficient use of resources is vital for growing food. Today, we'll look at some of the keys for successful farming. One of the things I'm most excited about is the very real progress farmers can make improving their soil. Some of those improvements can be made immediately and have good returns on, on their investment. Welcome to Redox Grows. I'm your host, Jim Morris, Communications Manager at Redox Bionutrients here in Burley, Idaho. I've worked with farmers and ranchers since 1990, helping tell their stories. It's not only my profession, agriculture is my passion. There are exciting things happening here at Redox Bionutrients, and someone who's seen this evolution since the very beginning is John Kelly, co-founder and lead agronomist. He has a Bachelor of Sciences in Agricultural Economics and a Bachelor of Arts in Spanish, both from Brigham Young University. Prior to Redox, John worked for two large ag operations in California. And John, thank you so much for your time. I'm glad to be here, Jim. So we've both been in agriculture for a long time. We've seen a lot of changes. How has growing food changed in your time in agriculture? We've seen an evolution since the beginning of our business to going beyond just basic practices that have been in place for 40 to 60 years to looking at innovative ways of growing uh, crops, not only from, from irrigation management, from widespread adoption of controlled irrigation systems, to a focus on soil health, to fertility inputs, and not only that, but adoption of high-tech practices that improve growers' bottom lines. So Redoc has been around for about 30 years, and it has grown consistently. What are some of the reasons that Redox has had the growth that it has had? The growth stems primarily from improving growers' net income, and that can come from a wide variety of uh, inputs, uh, from improving their root system to improving the quality of their crop, whether that be the color or the size of the, of the crop or the post-harvest quality, all of those, uh, depending on the crop, can come back and improve the net bottom line for the grower. As farmers farm more efficiently, how beneficial is that for our overall environment? Well, there are a number of uh, factors that are of, of uh, very real concern in the marketplace. In general, uh, more judicious use of phosphorus and nitrogen, as well as uh, softer chemistry from a pesticide standpoint or less requirement for pesticides are all factors that are widely regarded as necessary to, to improve, to be more sustainable. In addition, uh, the water consumption, the net use of water per acre, we want the, the best yield possible. Uh, from that water input. So all those come together, and those are, of course, much more acute uh, year by year because we have limited resources. As growers are more efficient with their inputs, how does that help their production? How does it help their profitability, their bottom line? Growers that are thriving in this difficult environment are those that pay close attention to not what they bring in, but what they keep. And so the return on investment and what inputs, what practices will accomplish that best are the way to thrive in this environment. So as we look for efficiencies, 
we're looking to get the very best net income per acre possible. And how does soil sampling work into all of this? Well, soil sampling is an opportunity to identify chemical and in some cases biological uh, metrics that can help us identify which inputs and practices are going to improve our crop's potential. It's a key way to identify fine-tuned opportunities. And how much can you derive from the soil? When I heard you speak of this earlier, I was amazed at, at the level of information that can be obtained from this. And also comment on the fact that just a scant part of it, 1% of the soil is where really all the action is for each crop. Well, let's start with the dynamics of the soil. If we look at an acre, 43,560 square feet by six inches, that averages two million pounds. Well, the vast majority of what a soil is comprised of is, is mineral, sand, silt, and clay. The nutrient content of soil actually, as you mentioned, is, is relatively low. In, in all soils. And beyond that, the plant available portion of those nutrients are even lower. But that's how nature works. And as we identify the dynamics of that soil and understand how we can manipulate those to our favor, for the crop's favor, that's how a soil sample and understanding those dynamics can help us um, make important improvements. In the overall process of growing a crop, farmers are very sophisticated these days. And how important is just the flat-out chemistry of everything in getting a good crop in the end? You know, it's really fundamental. You know, we, we want to talk about soil health, uh, better biology, better environment for the root system to grow. And that is all true. However, all that can be diminished by uh, soil chemical imbalances. The biggest factor in the chemistry of the soil is, is precipitation or irrigation water. The chemistry of, of rain or the irrigation water really dictates what that soil chemistry is going to be. When we look at that, we, we want to identify, okay, what are the influences? especially a year like we've had um, where water resources are limited. Uh, we tend to have more challenges with salinity. And those, those types of conditions need to be managed well in order to achieve optimum nutrient uptake and soil biology. We're just starting a long, hot summer. And let's talk chemistry and how redox can help. What are some ways that redox can help different crops through a what looks to be a, a season of triple-digit temperatures all around? That is a key concern and should be on everyone's mind. One of the most fundamental things is to achieve ideal moisture and air relationships in the soil. So we look at chemical factors. We look at biological factors that help us achieve that. Because under conditions of ideal moisture air content, we have a better opportunity for the root system to thrive. And then there, therefore, our inputs that we're applying, our nutrient inputs, can be used more efficiently. That is very, very important because as we look to have a strong, healthy plant that is more tolerant of heat stress, it can tolerate that better, then we have a better ability to minimize the impact of that abiotic stress factor. When we talk about change, that can be sometimes easier said than done for many, myself included. People are most comfortable doing things the same way they've done in the past. 
But for some, uh, they take that step out, they do uh, institute changes, and they're rewarded for it. I spent 15 years working with rice growers, and over the years they adopted semi-dwarf varieties to grow more grain and less green matter. They have precision leveling of fields, which helps with efficiency, dramatically phase down burning of rice stubble after harvest, among many other advances. So change is possible with knowledge and incentive. How adaptable must growers be in this ever-changing and challenging industry? Well, this is a very important uh, point you're making, and in, in question is, what is the motivation for change? What I find is there's, there's two factors. First, there has to be a well-defined need to change. If what a grower is currently doing is working well, is producing um, desired objectives as far as productivity and net returns per acre, often there's no need to change or to be very cautious in making any changes. The second thing is even the most innovative growers need to take things a step at a time. They need to try things. Typically that involves trying portions of field, doing their own comparisons, looking at their operations, see if it, if it can be easily incorporated in. Those types of, of stair-step process of a, of a two, three-year period of looking at different inputs and practices often is the best way for a grower to feel very comfortable that the changes he's making are sound. How do you view climate-friendly farming? And in your estimation, how does that impact the future of agriculture? Well, it's a question on everyone's mind is variabilities in in climate and temperature. How is that going to impact their crop? How is it going to impact their crop in the future? One of the things I think is very important is be open-minded to changing how they do things. One of the key factors from a climate-friendly farming standpoint is uh, soil health, a long-term view of soil health. And in our opinion, soil health is a key priority because everyone acknowledges it is actually declining, not getting better. Well, soil health is, is key because that is a key method for proper utilization of carbon. One of the things we don't want to do is we want, don't want to lose excessive amounts of, of uh, carbon dioxide, nitrous oxide, into the atmosphere because those are those are components that are going to help the crop grow when they stay in the soil and those are more likely to stay in the soil in the conditions of soil health good soil health in our opinion soil health involves um, a few key factors first of all excellent root growth good soil chemistry and good soil biology. If you take any of those out of the equation, you won't have the other. Those three must be managed together in order to accomplish the goal. One of the things I'm most excited about is the very real progress farmers can make improving their soil. They can see it, they can, they can feel it, they can see it in their crop performance. And it does not require years and years. Some of those improvements can be made immediately and have good returns on on their investment. For us to do our jobs right, we have to understand our customer base and what they're going through. This has been an interesting year already. What are some of the key issues that are occurring in agriculture right now, in your estimation? Well, one of the things that's that's key on every grower's mind is, is costs. Costs across the board are very expensive. Fuel, labor fertilizer, seed, uh, chemistry, all of those are putting pressure on 
on the growers. And while some crops are enjoying very good pricing, often they're offset by the increased costs. That's a very important factor. It's on everyone's mind. And growers in general want to make sure they're using their inputs judiciously to make sure they're getting the best bang for the buck. What do you feel is the most undervalued part of growing food? I'll tell you the average consumer has a very weak understanding of what is required. I like to talk to people outside of the industry and just query them as to what they understand. And there's a lot of misconceptions. And in general, I think that most of the public doesn't understand just how hard it is, just how many risks are taken, just how difficult it is to produce a crop profitably. And so I think that's one of the, the, the key things on my mind is farming is difficult. Of course, we love agriculture. It's in our blood. At the same time, it is it is more challenging than ever. And since we all do like to eat, we should want to keep farmers farming for generations to come. And it is a bit of a tricky landscape, as you've mentioned. So what's needed to make that happen? I imagine good communication, the latest technology. What are some of the keys you see to keeping this industry, all facets of it, going? I will speak, quite frankly, from a, a, a selfish point of view for a moment in that we are a bionutrient company. We see tremendous opportunities to use resources, input resources, more efficiently for better production and quality. So many of the practices that have been decades in use, there are opportunities to improve those. And that's exciting for us. So we are excited about our technology. and We love talking to consultants and growers alike to identify, okay, where where is there an opportunity for change that can benefit you? I have to confess I really geek out on agriculture, and even in my spare time over the weekend, I was looking at a onion field, a sugar beet field, and also saw a tractor working in a corn field and was, I don't know, it's just very exciting to me and uh, fundamental, I think, to life itself. So what drives you personally? I, I feel your passion here, and what motivates you in doing a good job? I really love what I do. I feel very, very fortunate, and I, I'm able to work not only at Redox with very wonderful people, but the folks we associate with in the industry, it's, it's great, and I never get tired of that. But making a difference, ultimately it's financial, but it's, it's wonderful when, when we're able to improve a, a, a grower and a, the distributor reps, improve their bottom line, while also making a positive impact on the environment, where we'll be more judicious with our our inputs. And so that's very satisfying to get results. So first and foremost, the people in the industry, but I love to, to help. I love to feel like we're making a difference and Im impacting the customers using our products. It was great to interview John Kelly today and see his insights into agriculture. That wraps up today's episode, but we'll have much more coming your way soon. So keep listening, subscribe, and spread the word. Thanks for listening.